0: Welcome back to Rubrics, a St. Timothy's podcast. I am Father Luke Klingstead, and I'm joined here by Father Steve Rice. Today we've got um, kind of a a mix of topics. We're going to talk a little bit about um, youth mission trips. We are both leaving this coming Monday to go with some of our high schoolers um, back to the Bahamas for the second year in a row. We'll talk a little bit about that. We'll talk about you know maybe some formation musings in in general about you know why we do some of the things we do here at St. Timothy's, and our philosophy behind it. And then we're going to talk a little bit about pastoral leadership. There has been um, some stories that have you know piqued our interest that we we were talking about in the office um, from the Archbishop of Canterbury, from pastors in Kenya, and you know suicide cults. And we're going to talk a little bit about. Um, you know, the judgment of teachers in the scriptures and, and how we view our role as, as shepherds of people and, and some stuff like that. So we've got a lot to get into. Um, I'm going to open us in prayer, and then we'll, we'll dive into talking about our mission trip next week. Let us pray. O God, from whom all good doth come, grant that by thy inspiration we may think those things that are right, and by thy merciful guiding may perform the same through jesus christ our lord who liveth and reigneth with thee in the holy spirit one god forever and ever amen, amen. so everyone's got their passport which is which is good it was Thank it was god. down to the wire for for some of our for some of our youth um, but we will leave monday to go back to freeport we we did this same trip last year with our high schoolers um, and let's just let's just put it out there: the trip's going to look a little bit different this year. Um, your seminary friend, who I think the you know, theological kind of our, term is "hot mess," hot, hot mess is yeah. what is what you want to get. So, is, so um, yeah. the the trip, you know, on our end is, is going to be the same. Um, on On the Bohemian end, your seminary classmate, who was kind of our connection, um, will no longer be there. And we, you for know, no fault been, of his own, correct, yeah. correct. Um, some some things have fallen apart anyway. Uh, I thought it'd be interesting to talk about, you know, why we go on these trips to begin with. Um, This will probably be the last time we go back to the Bahamas just because we don't have that connection anymore, but we're going to be, you know, visiting with with people we met last year, working in homes of people who will be feeding us and we form relationships with last year, but um, you know, people have all sorts of Complaints—some fair, some not fair. When you talk about youth mission trips, uh, it's a very important question. It is. It is. Did you go on any, you know, mission trips? I did. Short term, I, mean, I guess, especially. And
1: so let's 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 uh, identify what are the underlying tensions and yeah. questions, and then I'll I'll be happy to briefly share my experience growing up. You know, the question, the, what the tension is. What is the goal? What are you doing by leaving to go on a mission trip? Um, and I think what is easy to have happen is that 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 becomes um, a couple of things. It becomes a bit of uh, what's the phrase? I don't know, white savior of going to a, a, Correct. a place and yeah. That's going... one
0: of the most common complaints is. You think you're better than them and you have so much more to offer than these people. They've got their own churches, they're doing their own thing. Why do you think it's you know, very it,
1: condescending it is the, the potential of of, of being just really condescending. We're gonna come in for four or five days, we're gonna swoop in and hand the kids candy yeah. and do all this and take our selfies and there then, will be no handing out
0: of candy. No, yeah, and then sure. we
1: and then we leave feeling like we've we've expanded the kingdom, yeah. you know, so on and so forth. And oftentimes very real critique is those trips can do more harm than good.
0: Um, yeah, because they're not, you know, the, they're short-term change and then long-term kind of abandonment yep. is kind of the okay. the complaint.
1: And then the other thing is, what what is the goal, the objective of of formation for mm-hmm. the youth? Now, I am obviously you and I both are in favor done correctly. Yeah. Or we wouldn't be going to the Bahamas. Correct. And so yeah, growing up, I um, mission trips were were a very important part of my youth formation, but I think they were done actually in in the way that we are leaning into. Mm-hmm. And I think my youth director understood that, in that the point was to build relationships, to make connections, to expose relatively sheltered people to yep. a wider world, um, not to fix them, but to learn yeah. from them and to be with them. And um, I never went overseas. I remember the most, really the most formative one for me was. And it's actually similar to the Bahamas. We went to West Palm Beach, mm-hmm. which really sounds like suffering for Jesus. Yeah. But West Palm same with, same with the Bahamas. Yes, right? That's my point. Yeah. But West Palm yeah. Beach and the Bahamas. I mean, there are there are there's more than one side. And we went to the side that's not often yeah, seen. But... We stayed in a church. We literally slept either on the pew or under the pew in a little chapel. Mm-hmm. That was where we where we slept. I remember our showers were with a garden hose, nope. Meaning we, and we were at this very, very, I don't remember the church's name, um, this, is, this is a thousand years ago, but we put on a vacation Bible school mm-hmm. um, and for all these neighborhood kids, and we got to see all kinds of things, and um, I remember vividly there being, I remember vividly one night police walking on the roof of the church because they were chasing someone who had just shot someone, yeah. I mean, that's where we were. It was, it was, uh, it was helpful for us to say, okay... Um the world is not as neat as as maybe we thought it was, and giving a bit of um, of the the push that to be in ministry is to go in places that will really push us out of our mm-hmm. comfort zone. We also did some local missions as well, yep. and I think the point for for the, and that one should be the mission trips is not to go and save people but to um, but to recognize what's around us, to, to the need for relationships. Um, but yeah, it's... Um, I, I've never been, to answer your question, I've never been on a slick, big box, um, um, turnkey mission trip, which are very popular, mm-hmm. which are vacations yep. with maybe a couple of prayers and a hymn, you know?
0: Yep. Um, so, yeah. I had... Uh, more experiences than you um, because I you know went to a Christian school and we actually had a a week before spring break dedicated to mission trips so some people you know went local um, you know I the, the trips were expensive so one of my four years you know I, I saved up and, and with my parents help went to Brazil and floated along the Amazon River and did um, three or four stops at various villages um, and you know there was absolutely some of that idea of we're coming in to to fix things, yep. and that was problematic. But we also did you know medical clinics and and had doctors with us and these you know towns who had never really seen a dentist before. We pulled teeth left and right. Um, and so to and, some and, degree, you are fixing things. Yeah, by and so bringing I was about to say, yeah. from any outsider's perspective, it would be ridiculous to say you're not doing any good. Of course you are. You know, of, co- of course we are. Um, it might be just simply physical good, but, you know, we did some VBSs, and I think there was—and um, and I've never never seen those people again. I saw them one time in my entire life. So I'm under no illusion that, oh, they remember us forever. But while you were there, there are things that you can objectively do that are good, um, you know, helping them with, with hygiene, dental hygiene and, and physicians and, and bringing doctors there and simply— playing with the kids and being kind. I mean, nobody's going to look at that and no. say, what an evil thing to do. I think the the critiques come in when when we overinflate our, you know, expectations that we are going to change these people's lives forever. Um, that's not really how Christianity always works. Our job is to be with people, and while we are with them, we, you know, show, show the love of Jesus. And so, you know, our, our trip next week... Um, to the Freeport area is probably similar to your West Palm Beach trip. Um, there's the nice resorts areas, and then you know there's there's the there's less. where the nice. Bahamians live. Yeah. yeah, and then there's where there's the where they work, locals live, and there's where they live. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and we're gonna do our best, you know, to be with them, working in their homes, eating lunch in their homes. And are we under any illusion that we're gonna change this town forever? No, there's there's good churches there already. But you know, it would be silly to say there's no good happening in this trip at all. Um, and it's important to
1: say we are, we are going with, we're going back with relationships already established, yeah. where we weren't fixing them or saving them, no. we were working alongside, alongside them, them. Yep. and we just now we just have more friends, mm-hmm. friends with a different you know address, and yeah. we, we we do have certainly some resources and skill sets that are more readily accessible, absolutely than maybe what they can have, and. Time. On time. And so like any set of friends, one friend has a truck or one friend yeah. has this skill. And said, so, listen, yeah. can you come help me? There's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. It's, I think, the important thing is how we approach it and how we speak to our, our youth about this. Correct. And where are we when we leave? And and I think I think that's that's the key. And the, the other thing that I, that I think is maybe the most important thing about mission trips, short-term, long-term, whether long-established relationships or whatever... It's the importance of youth, adults too, but for youth, to leave their their context mm-hmm. and to be forced into a different one, and I, there is something. I mean, what I have found is, I mean, we are we are going to unplug them as mm-hmm. best as we can, yep. um, and and they have nothing to do but to but to pray and be together and, and right. grow in their faith, and I have in all of the years doing it and your time doing it here as well, I've never heard a complaint, never heard a complaint about all of the religious program yep. that we that we put on there. I think if we did it here for a um, like a staycation mission trip, um, we might. Oh, yeah. But if we go to, to Valley Cruces or go to the Bahamas, and we do morning prayer, noonday prayer, evening prayer, daily mass, and mass, that's four or five yeah. In times of prayer a day mm-hmm. and an hour formation and our formation. I mean, this is hours of prayer. No formation. one has. No one has ever. No. Um, and you can tell kids. I mean, they may not say, "I hate this," yeah. But they're awful poker players. You oh, can yeah. tell. No. To they, be fair, so are we sometimes. Well, absolutely. Yeah. No. But so I think, and I think that we underestimate their ability to receive that, yeah. and and also their their interest in that. But you've got to remove them from all the contextual. Um, um, the apparatus that surround mm-hmm. them that, that that would discourage them from doing that. Yeah. Um, and and to be frank, part of that is to get them away from parents. Yeah. Um, oftentimes, because parents don't know what to do when their kids become religious, yeah, or when they start praying, and mm-hmm. and um, and they get nervous because they think, gosh, what am I supposed to do yeah. now? And yeah. So I think getting them away and and making the kids comfortable. Yeah helps the parents become more comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I mean, here's an example. Like, I mean, I, I'm a priest. Yes, but but you one should not assume that the priest's children are perfect. Perfect, yeah. um, and and nor should priests <laughs> um, pretend. Mm-hmm. And 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 of course, I have very good kids. They're not perfect, but 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 my kids push back against me the way that any kid pushes yeah. back oh. on their parents. And it's like that line that the cobbler's children have no shoes. Yeah, and and so um, it, my own children benefit from going away and mm-hmm. learning this. And so you know, my eighteen-year-old, recent high school graduate, adult child that yeah. I have now, yeah. is just sent me a text um, asking, and she loves this podcast. So she's turning red right now, and she's listening to this when she does. She was asking questions about um, um, working through the daily office book that right. she started using. Right. But I think it if I did that at home. Me as a priest teaching her how to, yeah. how to pray the daily office would not be received as well as if we go away in community yeah. and do this together. And you you sort of um, that's the that trip is sort of the the you know the flint um, striking yeah. so that spark will take place. So there's all kinds of important good things from happening. Um, and I I, I really um, I'm sensitive, hoping people don't look at the destination yeah. and assuming that well, all we're doing is is drinking you know coconut milk. Fresh from the tree, and you know, and and we did do that once. No, we did. It that no, did. was wonderful. But we did, but we did it because a local, yeah, who watched yeah. us work, and they were sitting there in yeah. the in the launcher, watching at us, us building a wall. Came over with a machete, cut off some coconuts, yeah. and said, "If you're thirsty," and he was he was doing mission work to us. Yeah, yeah. we were dying, uh, and then we we laughed and recognized how foolish we might look or whatever. Oh, yeah. and it was
0: yeah. it was good. We're much wider than 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 most of them were. Yeah, kind of glistening but, in the sun. But
1: we could completely laugh about that oh, and, yeah. but then but then make friends and not take ourselves too seriously. So I'm yeah. absolutely convinced that they're important, both local. And I think people people will push back and say, why are you going and spending all this money to go to the Bahamas mm-hmm. when Forsyth County has a lot of need? Well, there's no argument yep. to that. But I think the only way to to really generate some awareness of the local need is to actually leave your context mm-hmm. and be exposed to it somewhere else and then come back and
0: have your eyes opened. Yeah. I don't think it's an either-or. I think it's a both-and. No, and that's also the uh, efficiency argument. You know, what is the most efficient use mm-hmm. of your money or time? And, and that is, let's just be honest, uh, a lose-lose situation because you can always get paralyzed by, is this the most efficient use Correct. of my Is this the most efficient use of my time? At some point you say, is this good? Is this helpful? Yeah, then let's do it. And that and that is part of what we're doing with these trips. Um, is this the most efficient way to spend the money that we're using? Maybe, maybe not. I mean, it, you can't really make that decision. But we're not um, a government agency
1: whose job it is is to go out and and, no. and you know and distribute these things no. to, to fit this need. This is an investment in human lives yeah. and salvation yeah. and and formation. And so, um, and that's it's like the argument about how church. I don't want to get on this tangent, but how churches spend money like on. spaces of worship, is that the right use of Mm -hmm. money? Well, I would argue it is, because here's where you're formed and where you pray, so that then lives that are transformed will go out and do far more good on an exponential scale than if we just simply had a fundraising attempt to go and do an immediate... Payout to something, yeah. and then that money's spent. Yep. Then how do you replenish that? We've already raised the money. Yeah. People aren't going to just keep. You know, you have to. You got to. You got to tap into a well that's deeper than yeah. the immediate need, and that well is Jesus Christ that keeps yep. flowing up within us. Um, so even though <clears throat> our our details of our trip are a bit um, uncertain yeah. at this point, we have confidence going because a we have some relationships already established. Mm-hmm. We have people who, who have been on many trips and traveled internationally. Yeah. All the adults have multiple times before, so that that part is, is is fine. Also, it's the Bahamas. You know, it's not like it's a strange world, right. but also we know and we can pivot and go into any situation. I feel confident yep. and and really have some um, and connect spiritually yeah. with uh, with the youth with the with the location and 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 come back having borne much fruit, Yep, which is how it should be.
0: Yep. We're called to go do good and worthwhile things, and, and that's what we're prepared to do. We also have kids who are ready to be religious and yep. intentional and to work hard and to have fun, and you know that, that makes it all worthwhile. This kind of slowly introduces us to um, a broader conversation about formation in general at St. Timothy's, why we do some of the things we do, um, and kind of our philosophy behind us, we've talked about this uh, a little bit before, but I think it's worth, you know, reiterating some of the points and and you know connecting it to like this this mission trip conversation. Um, last night we had our first summer youth formation and our first children's um, and family you know summer formation, where we kind of are able to add new things and the youth you know meet high school and middle school all together, whereas during the school year they're separate. Um, but last night you know, I, I met with uh, children and we did a craft of the Sacred Heart and we you know, played some games and did some activities and by the end they were explaining the, the image of the Sacred Heart of Jesus and the thorns being our sin and them being washed away and the cross representing you know, conquer and over death and they had their own little you know, Sacred Heart medal that we had made out of foil and colored. Um, and then I went to, to you know, middle school and high school youth group and we did evening prayer, right one, you know, with nothing removed, and the Psalms were not short, and it took us, you know, not that long, but 15 minutes of intentional prayer. We ate dinner together, we talked about um, saints, and we're going through, you know, one saint each week, and, and talked about some of the, you know, objections that that saint faced in his life and how that applies to us. But the short end of the story is, it was unapologetically religious, um, from the youngest child to the oldest high schooler, they came with a full expectation. They, they know what they're getting into at this point. Um, you know, we had, we had your son Luke join us for the first time, and, and he was curious about it. But everyone else knows what they're getting into. They know what evening prayer looks like, because we've done it before. They know how this formation lesson is going to be. And part of that is an intentional effort to give people the space and the permission to be religious, we're not trying to...
1: Because what else would you do at a yeah. church youth group? I mean, yeah. that's just, I mean,
0: the sad thing is we have to explain We have to explain why this might be this. unique.
1: But for crying out loud, you don't go to football practice and expect to bowl. You yes. know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, what, and, and why else would you do this?
0: You've made the point before when you, when you get up to preach, don't, don't pretend like you're not about to preach. Don't act like you know, you've got to trick people into the yeah. sermon. You're in a pulpit yeah. in front of people. What did, what else do they expect? Go ahead and preach. Yeah, what I've,
1: I remember back in the, you know, when I was first starting out, there was always this um there was always this pressure that you had to win the people yeah. over as you're as yeah. you're as you're preaching and tell a joke or a funny story. And I've been in churches where there would be jokes unrelated to anything about the day, the sermon whatever. Right. I mean, humor has its role. These were just jokes. Yep. And, and I remember trying to win the people. Fred Craddock, Well, he's dead now. Great great preacher. He says they're not stunned you're going to preach yeah. and talk about Jesus. they made a decision to come to church, and they're expecting you to do that. So just get right into it. Right. Most amazing, helpful, homiletical advice I've ever received. They know you're there. You don't have to win them over. No. There may be a handful that are there against their will, but they're there. But they're going to be there against their will Exactly. No what. <laughs> it does not matter. It does not matter. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: so we bring that same philosophy into children's and youth ministry and family. We're religious. We're going to be religious That's the expectation. And when you do that, you know, you actually get kids and youth and, you know, even young adults and adults who say, okay, and they'll find themselves digging deeper than they ever have before because they know that that's what we're here to do. Um, There's no beating around the bush. You know, I'm not expecting anything else. Um, It kind of sets the expectation. And so, you know, now we'll have, I led last night um, because it was our, our first time doing it in a while, but, you know, I'll have middle schoolers well high schoolers um, for our high school trip you know recent eighth grade graduates who are now in high school i guess um, leading the daily office over the next week and they've done that before they've done it every single summer summer trip that they've been on and these are you know people who i'm sure their teachers you know sometimes say they can't sit still for more than five minutes and they'll sit for 15 minutes and do Mm -hmm. evening prayer and lead their peers in it and they do a wonderful job and I think it's because we say this is what we're doing; they know it. We expect this from you. Yeah, and yeah. and they expect it of themselves too. They 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 know this is what they're getting into. Um, that unapologetic confidence in what we are doing. Um, I think part of what you know I had to learn, and and this is something you know that I'm not saying we do perfectly. Is something you know I still struggle with. Is you know you're halfway through evening prayer with with middle schoolers, and you'll find yourself saying you know i hope they're not bored i hope this finishes i hope they're not bored are they okay do they we got to be confident in that mm-hmm. we have got to be confident that this is worthwhile and if and if we have that confidence as as leaders they'll they'll pick it up cuz they'll see it from us they'll see that it has changed our life and and they'll be okay with being bored for a little bit because they know that, you know, this is something at least worthwhile.
1: And well, in the, in the inverse of that is even more powerful. If we are not confident, yeah. they'll pick up on that yeah. and say, this is not really worth my time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If we
0: are racing through evening prayer and apologizing for it, I know it's long, I know, Sorry why would we ever expect that they're going to buy into it if we're constantly apologizing for what No we're doing? one
1: ever and for parents or other people who were curious. I mean, just just try to take something else that that no one you never go to a sporting practice and the coach never says, "I really am sorry this isn't fun." Yeah. Or I'm yeah. sorry this is I'm sorry we're going a little bit this is a little bit longer than I thought. Are you okay with that?" No, they say, "If you don't <laughs> If, if you, you don't show up, you're not playing. If, if and, and every every athlete understands <laughs> yeah. that, and and you know, it, part of it may not be the most enjoyable part. Yep. but They know that doing that is going to make them better. Yeah. And spiritually, doing these things. I mean, the great comment, the great connection of the word ascetic, which comes from the word meaning athletic. Mm-hmm. You know, the asceticism is 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 the is the life of prayer and spiritual disciplines. We're not beating these children. We're not we're not shaving (laughs) their heads and putting them in monastic robes and making them, you know, beat themselves with With whatever like Montevideo. No, we're just simply saying you are you for the the, for the overwhelming majority of human history, you would have been considered an adult. Yep. Up until the nineteen forties, if you if your bodies could do adult things, meaning if you could procreate. So when was a woman considered an adult? When she could give birth. Yeah when you could do adult things and the man could this is again back in the day if you could go work in the field on all sorts of little, yeah if you're little going little in the, but this drug. is this is interesting I, I remember learning that the term teenager was not even introduced into the lexicon until the 1940s yeah. 1950s yeah. by i think popular mechanics or yeah. popular science magazine yeah. because before then that was it's almost like the um the great line by the Countess Dowager in Downton Abbey when she asked, what is a weekend? Because yeah. a weekend is only for people who work. Yep. So teenager became a luxury transition period now that there was sort of um, longer life, stability, the middle class. Yep. Whereas before, when you're 14, man, you're working in the fields, you're getting married, you're doing all that. I think my mm-hmm. wife's grandmother was married at 15. Yeah. My grandmother was married not too much you know, older mm-hmm. than that. So the point is, for the majority of human history, if you're 14, 15, 16, you were prime of your life adult. Yeah. And, and with that expectation of raising a family and working is spiritual responsibility. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, over time, there's, development is different. Life is
0: more yeah. complicated. I'm not doing evening prayer, right? One with the 6 year old and children. Absolutely not. stupid. Absolutely not. However, I do but the think philosophy is still the same. Our philosophy
1: is to is that people will tend to meet your expectations. Yep. If you keep them low, they're going to meet them. Mm-hmm. If you raise them, with an abundance of grace. Mm-hmm. I mean, we. I mean, I, I hope people know that's a given. An abundance of grace and compassion and patience, but but the expectation is the same. Yeah. But just simply, you as a Christian, especially if you've gone through confirmation and taken this all yeah, on yourself. Yeah, that's the
0: funny thing for me is, you know, parents expect their kids to get confirmed at 12 and be able to make that decision. And then they'll question, you know, why are you having them do all this prayer? They, they were confirmed. That's right. And they're answering for themselves now. That's right. Um, there, there is that expectation. I mean, and, and here's how it works differently. I'll do an evening prayer, right, one with the youth, and we'll sit and talk about a saying and, and really get into the weeds of... Um, objections that this person may have faced, and they were a martyr, and what led to them being beheaded. With the children, you know, it will look totally different, but the expectation's the same. I had them memorize a prayer during our time together, short prayer, O sacred heart of Jesus, I place my trust in Thee. We did it four or five times, made it fun. We came back to it at the end of our time. They all memorized it. I mean, I'm having them memorize prayers, memorize Scripture the same thing I want to do with the older kids, just different levels of expectation, but the but the underlying principle is still the same. I'm not apologizing to the kids that you know religion isn't fun, mostly because it it is fun, it is enjoyable. There's something important here, and they they know that. Yep. Um, one of them last night, you know, we were talking about John the Baptist and the Nativity and his feast day coming up, and it became you know a whole conversation about. Um, well, do, do humans have souls, and do animals have souls, and what happens to us when we die? And these are our children, and they're clearly understanding, this is a big question. I want to know the answer to this. Mm-hmm. It's not as if, you know, we have to convince them that these questions of religion are are worthwhile. She was firing questions at me, you know, for, for five straight minutes. She knew that these were important things to talk about, and so we sat down and talked about them for a little bit.
1: And let me just say this to uh, to the Two or three parents who may, may, may be listening, um, and I think I'm preaching to the choir because it's St. Timothy's, we've been doing this for so yeah. long now that we really don't have any pushback on this philosophy. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have in, in the past, but in my... In my and I started out doing youth ministry in 1997, so however long that is, 25 years, whatever, um, I did it the opposite of what we're talking about yeah. now, because I was far too young to have any business doing <laughs> ministry. You were what? Eighteen. Eighteen. Had no sense. <laughs> had no sense. Um, no, no, no. It was just, it was, it was awful. Um, the point is, though, in all that time of of doing youth ministry in some capacity, the only people that I've had pushback on term on in regarding making it more fun is the parents. Yep. It's the parents worried that their kids won't like religion yep. if it's not if it's not some element of overt fun, pizza, music, and then sort of bait and switch, throw in some Jesus at the end. It's never the youth have come to me. Yeah,
0: I've never had youth complain. Yeah.
1: Now they may. I mean, youth complain about everything to a degree, but they don't complain not, about but, the religion. Yeah, but not a
0: but not a real you know substantive complaint no. about that. Yeah. They'll say, "Oh, we got a long psalm tonight." Exactly, but they don't complain that we're doing evening prayer. Yeah, they, they kind of
1: they're in on that. So, the what part of what we want to accomplish is to give the parents that confidence as well yeah. that this is worthwhile. Yeah. And parents, it's important for us to remember our kids are looking at us, and if it doesn't matter to us, then it's not going to matter to them. The before we transition, we secular social science study after study has demonstrated a high correlation. What keeps youth involved in their faith as adults... It is the number one thing. The number one thing. It is not music, it is not pizza, it is not bouncy house, it is not preaching. No. Nope. It is not community. Nope. It's not any of the things. Not friends, nothing. It's, it's not style of worship, all of. The number one thing by a significant margin is the religious observance of the parents. And the regular attendance of the, and the parents, And attendance. And if they did that, and you can look at this anecdotally and see how that... It rings true in my experience. If the parents were confident and just simply said, this is what we do, yep. in the same way that you're going to brush your teeth and shower before you go to school, you're going to take out the trash. Yeah. I'm sorry if you don't like it. This is just this is just how we live. This is who we are. Yeah. But also when when there is stress, when there is conflict in the family, or there is sickness, or all the things that happen to all of us, and that part
0: never goes away, mm-hmm. that's the great lesson all of Yeah, that. yeah, that's a good point. Number one thing: attendance of the parents in church. I think people are always a little bit surprised um, when they hear that, but it is not even close. It not is, even close. It is always the number one thing. So, a uh, little light-hearted, light question for you before we transition to our last, our last topic. Um, you said you, you know, did formation the opposite when you were younger. Um, if you grew up in a youth group, or maybe when you were when you were a leader, what was you think the craziest thing that you did to try to win people over? Because I've got my own story, but I would be—I would be curious. To hear well, I did what, all kinds of you things? Experienced. I
1: mean, but we have to recognize this is this is all before social media. Yep. And um, um, but and and before the internet. Yeah. So youth group culture and and the importance of youth group and the size of youth groups. Was very different in the late '90s. Oh yeah, and even early 2000s. That was the heyday. It was the heyday when, as every, far as size goes, yeah, maybe churches not. had coffee shops and things like that. You know, now, now I think that if you take our youth group, which is, um, I don't know, I mean, it's all relative. Um, you take our youth group and and look at other churches that have a different approach. I don't think the numbers are that much different. No, they're not. Frankly, they're not because the 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 poll in the old days, what you would do is that you would, you, would, you would make fellowship the number one thing mm-hmm. to get them there. We want them to have friends here. Have friends here. And I was always taught, and this actually was, I mean, again, this is not, you can't teach this today, and it was not formally taught, but, but the practical teaching was if you can find a popular girl, Oh yeah. And More put popular her boy. But mainly the girl. Together. Put them in the youth group, then the girls would want to be around her. Yep. Uh, and then the boys would want to be yeah. there because of all the And that was how that yeah. was how you would build the youth group.
0: Uh, 100%. My youth group growing up took the popular kids that mm-hmm. were not at least too crazy and they were the the leaders and the figures because oh. That's there if they're the leader, you know, everyone wants to follow That's
1: how you him. do it. But now with social media and other things, the the way in which youth find community and come together um, that's not that important yeah. or even what they desire really. Right. But what I would right. do, I mean, I would do I would do games. Um and all none of my games were, were ever original. But I mean, would do things like um I remember having and when I first started, I would have a weekend youth thing and it was all music. I mean, I literally bought a black light. Yeah. Um, and I don't even remember what the religious point was, but there would be you know, they I remember probably don't either. We, we would have relay races where you had to eat whatever was in the bag. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, and it would be everything from rice cakes to now, sardines. there is a place for that.
0: And uh, but, but we, we do a lock-in every year. It's just, it's, just it's just fun. It's just fun. It's just fun. And I don't pretend like there's any, you know, religious... But I
1: wasn't trying to spiritualize it, no. you know, but I was just getting them there. Um, I'm trying, I can't think of... I'm
0: always surprised at how insane some youth groups went. So here's, here's one of my stories. Um, this was, you know, the first 30 minutes of our youth gathering when I was, you know, younger. Hundreds of kids, mega church, would be just games and and songs and I, I cannot imagine how they got away with this. And if there was social media back then, there'd be some video and they'd be canceled. But they would um, bring kids up on stage, have them chug uh, either a gallon of milk or a sprite as fast as they could, spin around in circles until one of them threw up on the tarp. Oh my gosh! And people would. Lose their mind. And, you know, looking back, we think, how on earth did you get away with that? But, you know, it's, uh, you get is the Is that kitchen.
1: revelation that you're Laodicea, you're neither hot nor cold, I desire to spit was, you out of my mouth? There was, was, no, that, was that there the sp- was no spiritual, spiritual from, It was literally or just. Or as dogs returned to their vomit, yeah, you know, from Proverbs. it was providence? literally just oh my, as much gosh.
0: fun. The second thing was they took uh, a slingshot one time, and they would um, sling food into the crowd. It would be, you know, a carrot, a pineapple one time, and then a raw chicken one time. Launched it into the crowd of screaming kids, zero religious context. That's just Texas, and it was yeah, mega church, absolutely insane. And so I, you know, I always tell parents some of these stories. Sometimes when they talk about um, like what you said, are they are they having enough fun? I tell them I had the most insane, funny stories ever. I'm not at that church anymore. But that's, most of the people I know in high school, they don't go to church anymore. Well, I was gonna
1: say to wrap it up. So when I was, and I've said this before, I think on this podcast, when I was doing youth ministry, I was in a small town, but I had 75 kids between middle school right. and high school, which was which was which would be massive, which would be massive that's by really any except yeah. for your mega church experience. But in a small town, no, it was a lot. it was the youth group, and I was very good at attraction ministry, awful at spirituality. Yeah, I don't know, maybe three or four go to church now yeah and I and as we'll get in a bit later talking about pastoral leadership to this day, the only sort of um, you know out I give myself is that I they, they should not have put me in charge yeah. and, I was <laughs> too, and I was too young but I, I completely um, I, I carry that with me mm-hmm. that I was their number one not to make it about me but I mean I, but I was had a role in being there in their formative spiritual time. And I gave them I gave them fluff, yep, and now they're all in their in their late thirties with families and um that 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 i i do carry that with me to this day
0: mm-hmm. well, how's this for a transition? Somebody else who carries something with them for the people they're they're shepherding over is the Archbishop of canterbury um recently you know there was this article where he is talking about the, the Church of England, um, especially the decline in numbers, kind of the state of divisions within um, the, the Church broadly with the Global South and the Episcopal Church and the Church of England and, and worldwide Anglicanism, you know, kind of butting heads over a lot of things. And he, he basically came out and said, um, I am 100% accountable for the decline in attendance, and I, that grieves me and I carry it with me. And there was people within the article, within the interview, kind of pushing back on him. You know, it's not your fault. He said, I'm not saying it's 100% my fault, but I'm accountable for that. I have been placed over leadership in this church, over this communion, and the numbers are dwindling, and I am accountable for that. Whether or not I had anything to do with it or not, simply by his role, by his leadership, he is accountable for those people. It was a really interesting article. I I 100% appreciate it. At the same time, I read it and thought, wow, I'm also accountable over a certain amount of people and, you know, whether or not they are are formed well in the faith um, and, you know, will go to church and will be become, you know, Christian parents of their own or Christian leaders of their own in their own communities. I am, you know, in some sense accountable for that. Um, I want to talk about pastoral leadership for a little bit. Um, I have months of it, you have years of it, so uh, I'd be interested to get your thoughts on this, but um, another, you know, kind of other side of the coin of, of, of horrific pastoral leadership was I, was I was reading, you know, I think it was on Twitter, and I saw some reference to a Kenyan pastor, um, I don't know if you saw this, and he basically encouraged his parishioners to um, starve themselves in order to see Jesus was his language. And they have uncovered 300 bodies now, and they suspect that it could be upwards of 600 people who have starved themselves to to see Jesus, Um, and he will, I I think their authorities are are basically going to charge him with with terrorism, um, with, you know, obviously attempted murder and murder of, of all sorts of people, and they're you know, starting to wrestle with, here's this pastor in charge of these people, supposed to be leading them, you know, in, in Orthodox teaching, and he's basically abusing his power. You can take 15 other examples of this. Um, the Roman Catholic, you know, clerical sex abuse. That's been in the conversation for years and years and years now, and people have been... And it's know, not lo- getting better. And it's not getting... It's I, getting worse. We're, we're
1: not dunking on the Roman church. I mean, this has been, this has been an awful week for Christianity. Yeah. Uh, the Southern Baptist Convention's in the news. The Methodist yep. Church is splitting. Splitting left and right. Uh, Roman Catholic Church is is in turmoil right. over this. The Episcopal and then Church the of is always. Archbishop Canterbury. You know the Anglican. You know parts of the Anglican Communion, especially ours, could not be dying faster. No. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it is. It is. Um, it is not. It is not a good time.
0: Yeah. So so my point is this: I'm reading all these stories, um, and I was reminded, actually, you know, James James three one. Uh, where where james says let not many of you become teachers my brethren for you know that we who teach shall be judged with greater strictness me personally when i'm seeing all these stories i'm taking to heart as as a new priest um, my future and how am i going to make sure that i am you know going to be able to answer for the decisions i've made am i going to be perfect no i'm under no illusion that you know, I'm going to stand at the end of my life and say, I did everything perfectly. No, but um, that should kind of, you know, sober me up a little bit. So I'd be curious to know with with years and years of teaching experience and as a priest, as a pastor over people, when you hear these stories, what does it um, make you think of in your own personal life? Does it uh, make you reflect on anything in any particular way?
1: Gosh, a lot. Um, I'll need you to, to to guide it down a more specific path. Well,
0: maybe I think a good way to think about it is I think our tendency, or for a lot of people, as you hear and you know the story of the, the Kenyan leader, and you think, that's crazy. Yeah, I would never do something like that. I don't like, have that
1: kind of power. I don't that, yeah, yeah. I don't have that kind of power. I don't have 600, I don't. I don't have 600 I
0: don't. people listening to me like that. But
1: I can't get 600 <laughs> to come to church, much less take their own lives. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, Exactly.
0: And yet, um, the same, you know authority that he had over a much larger context, I mean, he was accountable for those people. And you have a similar accountability over the people who are in your church. You know, nobody, nobody expects you to abuse it like, like he did. But maybe the Archbishop of Canterbury, um, I truly believe good intentions, good intentions, trying to lead the church in the best way possible. And then he looks back and sees the church dying, and he says, I'm accountable for this. Um, I think for me, there's a worry there that, you know, am I going to be put in a similar position where all of a sudden I look up and the church is dying around us? And that's true for the Episcopal Church. And yet we, you know, are to our best of our intentions trying to do the right thing. Um, how do you, you know, read James 3.1, think, you know, gosh, I'm, I'm doing the best I can the church is dying around me. Maybe not here at St. Timothy's, but but the numbers for the Episcopal Church do not look great. Well, and COVID has
1: not been good to us. Exactly. I, so, yeah. Exactly.
0: So, I mean, well, I what think, runs through your mind basically. And,
1: and I know I know that you you believe this, and we use the shorthand like the church is dying. And, yeah. And we we and let me just clarify. That's a good
0: clarification.
1: Is that we. We're talking about numbers and sort of institutional expressions, local of it. parishes. Yes, I mean the church cannot die. The church is Go the body hell, of Christ. Will not prevail. Will not prevail over it. We know that, and that's that's a given in our in our conversation. Yeah. So it's it's helpful for us to realize that people may not realize the church cannot die. Yeah, correct. But um, good clarification. Uh, our our expressions are, are struggling mightily right now. Um, you know, and I mean, I think that when you hear the archbishop's words is that, I mean, the Church is the body of Christ, and when the Church is is wounded as it is, well, in and, and some level that brings us closer to Jesus Christ Himself. Yes. And so when you talk about His accountability, and He carries that, well, He should, and that should bring Him closer to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Jesus Christ Himself, depending on how you measure it, did not have a lot of success. Yeah. He died. Yeah. His 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 small congregation imploded. Mm-hmm. Betrayal, denial, abandonment. Mm-hmm. Right. So you have to keep that in mind, yeah. um, and, and to recognize that 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 our victory comes through suffering. Mm-hmm. And and I think that and this is not Pollyanna Pollyanna spin. I think that our suffering and remember the the um, epistle for this Sunday is Paul saying in Romans. Suffering produces character. Character produces endurance. Endurance uh, produces hope. Actually, the opposite. Suffering produces endurance. Endurance yeah. produces character. Car- character produces hope, and hope will not disappoint us. Is that this is our time to to embrace suffering, yep. not in a kind of um, self-deprecating, self-loathing mm-hmm. mentality, but to bring us closer to Jesus Christ. Um, but to get to your point, how do I handle that? I mean. I've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of people leave in my 18 years Mm -hmm. of of, of ministry, and and most of them will say it's not personal, it's not about you, but they're 100% leaving because of decisions I've made. Mm -hmm. So it is about me. i made Mm -hmm. those decisions. I stand by them. People also um, may not leave for personal reasons, but sometimes how they leave is personal, Mm -hmm. personal to me. Um, And I think that I will say this. Being ordained 18 years if someone if I get if I check the mail today and I'm blindsided by a transfer letter it hurts mm-hmm. um, and depending on the situation or who it is oftentimes I'll write a note I mean clearly they don't want to talk to me about it because if my only notice of it is What's a letter, the letter then then they that's telling me how they want yeah. to communicate but I will have done this in not too recently. And I'm not. I'm not at all being passive aggressive. I will apologize for my failure. Yep. Because clearly I did. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, um, they things would be different. Now I can't control their circumstances. and They may have left for all the wrong reasons. Correct. And oftentimes yeah. I think they do. And my conscience is clear on what I was right. able to do. But there's still a failing there. Yeah.
0: There's an accountability. There's an there.
1: accountability, and and that's a and if you've if you're listening to this podcast and you've received a letter <laughs> like that from me, I wasn't being passive aggressive. No.
0: I'm sorry, I failed. Yeah, because I, I I clearly did. And part of that is is uh, acting on something we've said before. Leaving a community should be hard. Yeah. it should not be as easy as sending a letter and never having to speak of it again. There should, there should there yeah. should be this um, wound. This is not the well. YMCA. Yeah. Um, but it's where, harder to leave the YMCA. Where, sometimes. I, where I take, yeah, no joke, Where
1: <laughs> I take great comfort in this, and you know, before I came to St. Timothy's, uh, obviously I knew who Timothy was and I read his letters. Mm-hmm. But but when you when you take on a parish that is who is under his patronage, you begin to identify with him. Yeah. And I began to spend a lot of time with Timothy and what Paul wrote to him and thinking about Timothy. And I find, I find such great strength and encouragement and guidance from Paul's yeah. letters to Timothy. And you look at Paul's successes and failures. Correct. And um, people left him left and right. But I think what we have to do is, I think going back to Ezekiel, where, where there's an awful lot about the accountability of the shepherds. Is like in the gospel this coming Sunday. I mean, there, there, there's, a, there's about, it feels like 30 extra verses that you can include. Yeah. We're not including them this Sunday, but this is, I forget which section it's in, but Jesus even tells his disciples, do what you can, mm-hmm. but if they, if, if, you know, give them your peace, And but if they don't want you, shake the dust off your feet. Mm-hmm. I don't think he means be ugly about it. No. But I think he means you can only do what you can do. And you're only responsible truly for what you do and how you respond. Nope. But it's up to them to receive it or not. But are you being faithful in the proclamation? Are you being faithful in the attempt to yeah. do that? Are you doing everything that you can? Um, and if you are, then I think that you can you can sleep um, better at night. Mm-hmm. If you're not, then that's, that's the wake-up call and that's the real accountability to that. So, yeah, I mean, every time someone leaves... I I have to do a an inventory. Was I being faithful? Did I do the best I could?
0: And faithful to
1: what? To the proclamation of the gospel. Yeah. I mean if people leave are because they, in if people to? Leave because they reject the gospel, that's not on me. Correct. But if and they, that's the key, right? It is. And if they leave because I have been willy nilly with the proclamation of the gospel and there's nothing for them to, to cling to, yep. that's on me. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's, that's where the, the and that's inventory a, That's a serious accountability. It's a serious accountability to that. Um,
0: because human nature, we want people to like us and to stay. At what point do we start abandoning our submission to to God's Word and to the church to win people over? I mean, that that is what I am always worried about. Um, how am I going to make sure that my highest priority is the Holy Scriptures and is the teachings but of the this church? This is
1: where the pastoral sensibility has to come in. And this is where it gets tricky, is that we're not standing there on street corners with a cardboard sign saying, turn or burn. Yeah. Because that way, and I think a lot of preachers, um, they think that if they can tick that box, then they've done all they can do. They're saying, I've done the right thing. I've done all I can do. But people, I mean, you've got to meet people where they are. And you've got to... Be generous in
0: season and out of season. You've
1: You've got to love them, and you've got to desire their salvation for them. And so that means you've got to be nuanced in your approach. You've got to be. Yeah. If you are a spiritual physician, what one what one pill works for this person with the same condition might kill the other yeah. person. Yeah, you've got to have some discernment on that. Again, that's completely scriptural mm-hmm. and completely within the our tradition, and certainly in the in the rule of Saint Benedict. Yeah, to to be um, be fair, but don't treat people the same. Yeah. Because they need different things. Yeah, everyone needs different things. And that's where I think my, the pastoral failing comes in is is in is in not really fully understanding how to how to treat people with yeah. that discernment, not knowing them well enough. And it's it's very complicated, obviously. But I think that I think that you can't go to one of the two extremes. You just simply can't sit here and just scream out whatever you want to in the pulpit and say you know take it or leave it. Right. That's not helpful, on the other hand, you can't not proclaim the truth of the gospel yep. and just hope everyone you know comes to you because you're winsome and and they yeah. like you yeah. you've you've got to you've got to live with people and 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 be faithful
0: yeah that's good that's good that's not easy it's not easy it's not easy um, one one final thought I have you know when when I read like the Kenyan you know suicide cult pastor um of course you know I, that's never something I would pursue and, and you know never would abuse my power to tell people to kill themselves but when I was reading it I was actually interested in the the spiritual parallel to it. Um, he produced you know physical death in the people he was in charge of. how am I going to make sure I don't produce spiritual death in the people that I am in charge of? Um, the the gospel reading this morning was about the rich man and Lazarus and I think it's John Chrysostom has a great point about Um, the rich man was already spiritually dead while he was on this earth. He had already, you know, decayed from the inside out um, because he had turned his back on the poor and and the people around him. How am I going to make sure that people are not decaying spiritually? I'm not encouraging them to kill themselves. But we are accountable for their spiritual well-being and their spiritual life. Um, So I I think there's still things to be learned from these egregious, extreme examples. Um, There's still warnings to us there. And there's still things that we can we can learn. So
1: here's what I will say that I think where and after being here fifteen years, there's still pockets of resistance to or question about the quote unquote Catholic elements of the things we do. Let me just say something about that. Is that the way that I understand how we are to be faithful in the proclamation is we are to teach people how to pray. Mm -hmm. And we're to teach people how the church has given us a sacramental world and devotions that keep that connection in prayer to Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ. And so that is our focus. And so what we're not doing is we're not spending all of our time trying to have people buy into a certain philosophy Mm -hmm. or even a certain theological take. Even though that's a part of it, what we're trying to get people to buy into is a way of living in Jesus Christ mm-hmm. through prayer, through the sacramental world, through devotion, through things like you're teaching with the kids about the Sacred Heart and things of yep. that nature. The truth of Jesus Christ comes through those it's tangible through all of it, things, all of it. and so I think that we—that's why we focus so much on that—is to—is to—is to. Is to, is to um, make it as much to introduce it as as a way of living and being, and not just simply a way of thinking and acting, mm-hmm. but it's it's the whole holistic, it's the whole person, um, as Christ lives in us and and we in Him, and for me, the more we do that, the better shot we have at at being able to to invite someone to to live mm-hmm. fully into the life of Jesus Christ. Um, and that, but but also the interesting part is that that, re- that takes away your personality and my personality yeah. as much as possible. Yep. It's not about um, my likability. It's not about my style yeah. as it is my fidelity and introducing not what I have created at all, but what the church has received and developed over an awful long time, mm-hmm. that we're simply passing down, which is what the word, as we've said in this podcast before, what the word tradition, traditio actually means, to pass down, to hand over. Mm-hmm. That's what you did with the kids. Handing over this tradition—that's yep. what we're doing with the youth and evening prayer. Handing over mm-hmm. how we've learned to pray, and it's in Scripture where we, you know the—I the, think it's Peter talks about the traditions that yeah. we have given you
0: and 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 taught you. And Paul tells Timothy, remember the yes. you know, All gifts those you have been given with the laying on of hands. Yeah, um, I, you know, last point about the, the Catholic elements of this. I heard somebody you know describing the sacraments and the traditions of the church um, in in a wonderful way. One time, you know, when I was kind of asking him questions about, you know, why he became Catholic, he said, God wants to romance you. And he's given us, the sacraments and the traditions of the church as a way to, to woo our hearts. Um, What's in Jeremiah? The
1: it's, in, it's the first lesson for either this Sunday or the next Sunday. I don't remember, mm-hmm. but it's from Jeremiah. It says, um, you seduced me, Lord, and I am seduced. Yeah. Or I think the translation we're using is, um, you've deceived me, Lord, and I am deceived. But one Maybe. of them is, you have you have seduced me,
0: and it worked. Yeah. I think it's and next it week. I think, it's 25th. I think it is. You no. have enticed me, yeah. and I was enticed. Is that which over- week have, is, that? is that? This, this? is... Uh, Proper seven, so um, this will be on the eighteenth. No, twenty fifth. Twenty fifth, right after yeah. we get back. Yeah. So if you're, looking, if you're
1: looking for coming to church on the twenty fifth, yeah. the Old Testament lesson is: "You have enticed me, and I was enticed. You have overpowered me, and you have prevailed. Yeah. And I'm here for it." Right is what he's saying.
0: Right. So I'm shameless has... to quote Garth Brooks and
1: Billy there, Joel. There you
0: go. <laughs> well, we covered a lot of ground. Uh, we will not be recording next week. Um, because we will be, you know, in, in Freeport um, building walls and picnic tables and, and praying and, and having a good time there. But we will we will pick back Unless up. Unless we're and able to week. get our
1: phones together and do something, even with the youth, and maybe we have an audio-only We could, podcast. but we probably won't post it until. No, yeah, um, that's true. We yeah, will.
0: yeah, I'm not going to be editing any audio um, while I'm there on a phone. So, But, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. We, we might record a, a small conversation um, and, and post it when we get back. Let's close in prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Ghost be with us all evermore.